Oh my goodness, it's already been a great day, but let me tell you, we have even more greatness uh, for you today. So I have a, a, a decently short message. I say that, don't hold me to it, okay? All right, uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, you, <laughs> you know that that has not always been the case. So, uh, but listen, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom, and I would just say, I, maybe you have freedom to go whenever you would like, but we're gonna stay here in the presence of the Lord uh, and have a great time. We're gonna pray for healing here in a little bit. It's gonna be fantastic. So uh, today I'm talking about Healing 101, all right? Healing 101. And some of you guys are like, oh, well, this is interesting. Like, this is a medical, you know, thing today. Like, no, 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 no. Listen, the Bible calls God the great physician. And greater than any doctor, greater than any therapist, greater than any uh, person that would be a nurse or anything like that, God has uh, this, this level of divine healing and divine understanding that's greater than all of our medical science that we have in the history of our world. Now, it's not to say that doctors are not, are not a good thing and, and, and therapists are not a good thing. I believe there's definitely a place for that and God ordains that as well. But listen, more than that, uh, I would rather go to the God of the universe for healing first, right? Than, than go to an article in a self-help podcast or something like that, amen? Like that's where I would rather go first. So we're gonna talk about healing 101 today. And, and the reason I wanted to take communion other than the fact that it's something that we should do is that, Word sozo that we just talked about. And, and I don't have the points on the screen for you today, but if you wanna take notes, I'd really encourage you to do that. There'll be a lot of verses on the screen today, but the first thing that I wanna say is Jesus bought your healing on the cross. Jesus bought your healing on the cross. Isaiah 53, five says this, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Another fancy word for sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. It's so hard for me as a former worship leader to not sing those songs. If you have, any of y'all know a song? He was crushed for our aggressions. He was crushed for our sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. All right. By his wounds, by his wounds, we are healed. Like if you've been in church for a while, you know that song, okay? That was like, what was that? Like early thousands or something like that? I can't even remember. I love those songs sometimes because it just is a way for us to sing and remember remember like the word. It's just straight Bible. Um, when Jesus died on the cross, y'all, he purchased your salvation. It says like Jesus literally took your place on the cross. Did you know the Bible says that we all deserve death because of sin? All of us have fallen short of the glory of God and we all deserve death. Like, like sin is the ultimate separation from God. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit on the tree, they are now separated from God. Now they, 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 sin has entered into the world and they're no longer able to have that perfect communion with God. Before that, it says that God would just walk in the garden with them. He would talk with them and hang out with them. And, and that's what God actually designed us to do. You are designed to be in communion with God, amen? That's your actual design. And yet sin has separated us and, and, and messes up this communion that we have with God. But when Jesus died on the cross, he became sin that knew no sin, right? So that you could have life, that you could have a life that's more abundant than any life that you could imagine up on your own. But Isaiah's prophesying here about Jesus. And he's saying he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. 
And that word healed, if you look through the New Testament, there's, there's a word sozo. And it's translated many, many different times uh, as salvation. It's translated as healing. It's translated as delivered, made well. Lots of different ways that this word is translated. How many of you know it's difficult sometimes uh, to understand the full meaning of a word in a different language, right? So that's why we go back. The New Testament's written in Greek. And so that's why we go back to the Greek to try to understand sometimes a little bit more uh, of what they really meant by these words. Sozo, saved, healed, delivered, made whole set free. And Jesus on the cross, you'll see through this verse, bought for you three things and so many more, but really three that is is represented here. Number one, he bought for you was righteousness. He bought righteousness for you. The ability to be justified and made right before God. That's really what justification is, is our position is now right before God. You are now, God now calls you holy. Like when you say yes to God, and he comes in and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within you and lives within you, you are now made right before God. Do you still have things that you maybe deal with? Yes, absolutely. Do you still have some struggles and do you still have some old ways of thinking that you need to get out of your mind and your heart? Absolutely, but listen, positionally, God calls you holy. It's like your sin never even existed. So he bought that for you. He was crushed for, or pierced for our transgressions, sin, crushed for our iniquities, sin. There's the righteousness part of that. But then it says the punishment that brought us What? Peace. The punishment that brought us peace, his punishment, our peace, amen? It says that he bought that peace for you. So when you have anxiety, when you have worry, when you have doubt, when you have these things that are in your head, and you know anxiety is not biblical, you know anxiety and worry is not a part of the Bible, it's not a part of the life that God wants for you or for me. Did you know that? And yet we accept that as normal. We accept these things as just a normal part of life. Listen, I don't see anywhere in scripture where Jesus was ever anxious or worried about anything. Now he went to the garden of Gethsemane and is like, Lord Jesus, if there's any other way, like, like could we do that? Cause I would rather not go on the cross if I have to. But he said, but your will be done at the end of the day. Jesus is not anxious. He, he knows what he's about to do, but he's, he's not had this anxiety within him or he's just like overcome by, uh, overcome by fear or anything like that. No, no, no. The Bible says you've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So why are we live afraid? So you have a supernatural peace that is bought for you that you can hold on to. It's a promise that's given to us in scripture, amen? So if you struggle with mental health or anxiety or worry, doubt, fear, any of that stuff, hey, look to that scripture, Isaiah 53, five, and you pray that over yourself and you believe it. The next thing that he bought for us is healing. It says, uh, punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are what? Healed. Come on, somebody say healed. By his wounds, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed is another way to say that. You've probably heard that before. Here's the deal. Jesus bought this for us. He bought healing for you and for me. Righteousness, peace, healing. And yet we don't believe that. I'm gonna be totally honest with you. We don't really fully believe that. And many of us would first go to a doctor before we would go to God in prayer. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doctors, but listen, if the first instinct that we have is when you hear that something is wrong within your physical body, and the first thing that we do is go to medication or go to a doctor, uh, I don't see that in scripture. There's nothing wrong with going to those people, but listen, first thing, when I find out that something is wrong with my body, I need to go to God in prayer first because he is the great physician, amen? We go to God first for our healing, Why does Jesus heal? 
All throughout scripture, what do we see? Jesus healing people left and right. What does he do? Blind eyes, open. Deaf ears, hear. Paralytics, raised up and walking, running around. Dead people coming back to life. Incredible stuff. Absolutely amazing. Why did Jesus do all of that? Because it's in his nature to heal. Jesus loves you and me so much so that he would heal you of your physical ailments. Is it so that you can now bow down on your face and just say, oh, Jesus, you're so amazing. Is it so that he could build, you know, some kind of platform for himself or something like that? Like when people get healed today, is it so that I could be, uh, you know, like, glorified or something like that? Absolutely not. It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is the fact that he loves you and he loves me enough to heal because sickness is not from God. Amen? Sickness is not from God. There was no sickness in the garden. There was no sickness and there is no sickness in heaven. Isn't that an amazing thing? Like we believe that, you know, I know so many people that dealt with sickness for years and years and years and, and they were great Christian people and they pass away and it's just so comforting to know that when they get to heaven, they now have a new heavenly body, right? And like, they're not dealing with that sickness. They're not dealing with that pain anymore because sickness and God don't mix. It doesn't even make sense. It's not a part of who he is. And so it's in his nature, and here's the deal, I cannot heal anyone. If I put my hands on somebody and they get healed, that's wonderful, but it had nothing to do really with me. It's not my power. It's not my power. It's by the authority that Jesus gave me, amen? It says in the word that all, Jesus said this right before he went back to heaven, after he'd been resurrected, he's talking to the disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, all authority. Now, therefore, Go. And then the great commission, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and I'll be with you to the end of the age. Bam, Jesus goes back to heaven. So what is he doing? He's commissioning them and he's also commissioning us. That's a promise for you and a promise for me. Listen, all authority has been given to Jesus and he transfers that authority to you and to me. Has nothing to do with how cool you are. Has nothing to do with how good you are. It has everything to do with how good Jesus is. It has everything to do with how much he loves you and loves that person that you're praying for, amen? So, so we never wanna have glory for ourselves and bring glory and honor to ourselves. That's not what it's about. Here's the deal. This is a really hard thing that I'm about to say, and I want you to uh, buckle up, okay? So I just want you to buckle up, but I also want you to keep your mind open. Remember at the very beginning of this series, Erased, I said, why do we, we love God the Father. That's totally cool. Like we're all for the Father. We get that idea. We're all for the Son, Jesus, the cross, Christmas, Easter. Yeah, like we're cool with that. And the Holy Spirit, like he's a weirdo. Let's not talk about him, okay? Like he's the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity, okay? That's how people think. And we don't actually, uh, we don't actually see his fruit in our lives. And, and, and there's so much that we've just pushed away because we don't understand. We think it's weird, Right? So what I'm about to say is, is very, very important. And this is something that it has taken me a long time to understand. I've gone through scripture so many times and I don't understand how more of us don't see this. But the second point that I have for you is it is God's will to heal. It is his will to heal. You need to write that down if you're not. Put it on a wall, put it on your phone. Like it is God's will to heal. Let me show you in scripture why that is. Luke 6, 17 through 19. It says this, he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. 
a lot of people, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them. How many? All. Well, that's kind of cool. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Remember how we talked about Jesus anointed and baptized in the Holy Spirit himself. Jesus said, the son of man can do nothing. He said, I I can't do anything. I only do what I see my father doing. The Holy Spirit came down when he got baptized in water. John the Baptist baptizes him. And then the Holy Spirit comes down on him like a dove. And it says, and it remained upon him. What is that? The Holy Spirit of God is now upon Jesus. I don't fully understand how this works, but he's fully God, fully man. And he decided to give us an example to follow by emptying himself of these divine attributes and strictly following what he sees the Holy Spirit, what he sees the Father telling him to do. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. There's another example right there of that. And how he went around doing good and healing who? All who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Acts 5, 14 through 16. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Somebody say, all. So we see a few examples right here of Jesus healing all. And then we see Peter healing how many? All. When you go back to the Greek, you look up that word all. It means all, okay? It means all. Very simple. It was not some. It was not the people that God led them to specifically. It was all. Every single one of them. Not one person ever that Jesus prayed for was not healed. You even see right here in this passage that that in, in Acts 5, that Peter comes by, bringing the sick, they brought the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all healed, every single one of them. Now, does that say that Peter really prayed hard and then went out and tried to like see which one the Lord was leading him to specifically? No, they came to him. They just came right up and he was like, oh, you're sick? Okay, well, we'll pray for you. All right, sounds good. And you're sick too? Okay, we'll pray for you too. Like healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. Just like go down the assembly line. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just go on through. It says even to the point where they would take the, the, the aprons and the handkerchiefs that Paul and Peter had touched. And they're saying even that his shadow might fall him. Peter's shadow would heal people. Paul's uh, handkerchiefs that he had touched, he'd use like wipe his face off. They would take that and lay it on top of people that were sick and they would be healed. Do I understand that? Nope, that is weird as ever. Okay, I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Super weird. I don't understand the physics of God, right? I don't understand the divine healing that God brings sometimes. I don't, you know, how many of you know that there's some things in the natural that like we just don't understand? Like there's things in our universe that are just beyond us. Like I don't understand how divine healing works. I don't understand how massive the universe is. It's incredible. There's probably so many things on earth that we just don't understand right now, but yet God understands it. And so he knows how all these things work. It's not my job to know how it works. It's my job to obey the word, amen? The Greek is all. Uh, John G. Lake, I wanna talk about him for a minute. How many of you know who John G. Lake is? Raise your hand. Only a couple, I would assume. All right, okay. 
an amazing uh, man of God who was a, a healing evangelist that uh, was in, I believe, the early 1900s. Um, and I talked about Azusa Street Revival with William Seymour last week, I believe that was. And I wanna talk about John G. Lake for a little bit. The dude was a machine, all right? He prayed for so many people, thousands and thousands of people to be healed. And I saw extraordinary miracles. Would put his hands on somebody that had a tumor on it, like coming out the side and just shrinks right underneath his hand, gone. Incredible. Creative miracles, like, like blind eyes can see, like been blind since birth. Like dude prays for him, healed. And then he taught other people how to do this as well. And it really, it comes out of relationship, right? It comes out of relationship with Jesus. It's not a formula. It's not a method. It's not a process. It's the power of God flowing through us, amen? This is what he said. Now here is a sick man and here comes the minister. As he gets close to him, the minister sees he is pretty bad. He is in trouble. He says to himself, if I pray for him and he is not healed, the people will think I have not much faith in God. So he does the acrobatic trick and says, it may not be the will of God that you should be healed. Do you see it? How many did Jesus heal? All who came to him. And in healing them all, he gave to mankind forever the finality concerning the will of God about healing the sick. There is no further point to go on in demonstration that Jesus went on the subject of the will of God. If he had ever turned one poor fellow away and said, no, it's not God's will to heal you, then there would be a question mark set up. But having healed them all, he left the will of God concerning sickness forever settled and indelibly stamped forever on the human mind. That's pretty powerful, amen? He says, you, you see somebody that's really sick and it really messed up. And the, and the pastor or the minister, whoever's praying for that person is like, oh boy, like, this is gonna be a hard one, okay? You know, like he walks up to, maybe he's seen blind eyes open and deaf ears and stuff like that, but he sees one that's like, ooh, this, is, uh, this person is in bad shape. And then he says, well, you know, if I go up and pray and they're not healed, well, then now that just looks bad on me. Like, I, I don't wanna do that. And so, well, maybe it's not God's will to heal you. Maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe there's this, or maybe there's that, or maybe God's trying to teach you something. You ever heard that before? God's trying to teach you something. He's trying to build your character. Listen, sickness is not from God. Amen? It's not. And if you attribute something that is from the devil to God, what are we doing now? Now we're grieving the Holy Spirit because that's not true at all. The devil is a liar. The devil brings sickness. The devil is the one that brings calamity and, 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 and problems in our world. Listen, God does not bring sickness. It is not in his nature to do so. Does that make sense? So we need to break this thing off right now because how many of you have ever, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have ever thought that before, or believed that, well, maybe God's bringing this upon me and trying to teach me something or he's building my character in this moment or, or whatever that is. Listen, that's wrong thinking and it's not scriptural. If it is your will, we pray that over people, don't we? Like, Lord, if it's your will to heal them, will you heal them now? What is that? That's a prayer of unbelief. Does that make sense? If you're praying, if it's God's will for you to be healed, be healed. How could you possibly have faith for them to be healed? Because you don't know. Does that make sense? I, this is something that I'm walking in and I'm learning and I'm growing in, okay? So I, I'm, I'm, a little bit, I'm a little bit ahead, 
maybe. And you might be like, oh, Lord Jesus, like I'm trying to follow this guy, but it's a little bit hard right now. Okay, listen, I'm, I'm following the people that have come before and they're following Jesus, all right? So like, we're just all following the word of God. That's all we're doing. That's we're just going through the word of God and we're gonna figure this thing out together, okay? And at the end, somebody's gonna get healed. It's gonna be great. If it is your will, it's a prayer of unbelief. The Bible says without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. It's the prayer of what? Faith that heals the sick. And if I say, if it's your will, be healed, there's no way that that's true faith. It's not possible. Because here's the deal. We will go in our minds and we will see things that have happened in our experience before and we'll make a theology around it. Amen? We'll, we'll do this all the time. We'll say, because, because John died and Matt lived, God heals some, but doesn't heal all. Where do you find that in the Bible? I don't see that anywhere. There's, there's these articles and books and stuff like that. And I heard uh, this guy, Dan Moeller, he uh, has a healing ministry, but really just a great pastor. He says this, there's, there's this book, like 30 reasons why men are not healed. And he's like, Jesus didn't have that in his back pocket. Like he didn't have that book in his back pocket when he was going around praying for people. Well, all right, let's see. Like, do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Okay, well, have you opened yourself up to demonic influence? Okay, like, have you, uh, uh, have you sinned yesterday, today? Did you sin right before you came here? Okay, well, we gotta deal with that first. Okay, that, do you ever see Jesus doing that? No, absolutely not. He never once did that. The man's on the ground. They bring him through the roof and, he, and the paralytic is there and he's like, get up, walk. <laughs> like, he didn't address anything else other than the man in love. And he said, hey, I love you so much and, and you should get up and walk now. Like, that'd be really cool. Like sickness, get out of here. That's how Jesus prayed. Five seconds. If you look at all the prayers of Jesus for people to be healed, usually you, you could pray them in about 10 seconds or less. And yet we try really, really hard, right? We try to do all this stuff. I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay, uh, John died, Matt lived. God doesn't heal all. He only heals some. Jesus never declared that. What declares that? Our circumstances and our experience declares that. And it's not from God. So what's the truth? Your circumstances or Jesus? What's the truth? Your experience or Jesus? But we let our experience determine our faith and that should not be the case. Listen, believing your experience over God's word and what he's already revealed to us, what does that do? It'll put a cap on the power of God in your life. It'll put a cap on the power of God in a church service. It'll put a cap on the power of God. If my experience, and I'll, I'll say this a lot, but if my experience does not measure up to the life of Jesus, trash my experience for the truth of Jesus. I will do that every single time. If, if I pray for all of you today that need healing and not one of you gets healed today, does that change what the Bible said? No. Does that mean that I'm learning and growing in faith? Yes. It does not change anything about who Jesus is, the will of God, his will to heal you, his love for you. It changes absolutely nothing. And that's the beauty of it, right? Because it's not me that does it, it's God that does it. It's not by my power and my might that I touch somebody and they get healed because if that, was the, if that was the case, then now it would make sense for me to be glorified. But that's not the case at all. I should not be glorified. We should always glorify God when somebody gets healed because it's his power through me. I heard an example one time of this, this pastor who was telling a story. Uh, somebody gave him a check and they were supposed to deliver it to somebody else. And it, was a, it, was, it wasn't sealed and so... 
he decided to look at it, right? Come on, like how many of you would do that too? I would do it, come on. If it was a check and it wasn't sealed, I'd be like, oh, I want to see how much this thing is for, okay? So like he opened, he was like $30,000. That is incredible. That's a big check, all right? So this pastor goes and he's holding on to this thing and he is just so excited. He's got this check, right? He's got this thing and he gets to give it to his friend from this other person. They, they had to leave and so they gave it to him and now he gets to go give the check. And so he goes and gives that guy the check and right before service, he gives it to him and he is just going nuts. He's like, oh my, $30,000, like that's amazing. And this pastor is just celebrating right along with him. He's like, yay, I know, isn't that amazing? Like, I'm so glad I get to give this to you. Here's the moral of the story. Like, did the pastor do anything? Did the pastor write the check? No. All the pastor did was receive the check and then deliver the check. That's all you have to do in healing. It's already been bought and paid for by Jesus on the cross. Your healing has been paid for by Jesus. The sozo healing, the salvation, healing, made well, made whole, all of these things, it's been bought by Jesus already. He's the one that wrote the check. And when we pray for somebody to be healed, all we're doing is we're just delivering the check to them. Amen? It's amazing. It's amazing what God can do through you and through me. So who should we pray for? A lot of times people will ask that question. They say, I don't know who to pray for. Like, should I pray for this person or that person? Like, I need to pray that God will reveal somebody for me to pray for. Who did Jesus pray for? Let me, let's just remind each other. Who did Jesus pray for? How many were healed? There you go. Why do we make it so complicated? We gotta make it so complicated. Well, I got this, you know, I gotta pray for this specific revelation, you know, and I gotta pray for this person. No, 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 listen, all, 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 all. Luke 10, he's talking to the disciples. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Jesus is sending them out right now. This is what he says. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. He just said, heal them. Like if there's anybody sick there, heal them and then tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, tell them the kingdom of God has come near and then heal them. Why is that? Because Jesus leads with love first. He says, heal the sick there, show them the power of God and how much I love them, like how much God loves them, that he would take care of their physical needs. And then say, hey, listen, this is a confirming message. Now tell them about me, like tell them about the kingdom of God and how it's come near to them now. So he leads with love and healing and then they they back it up with the truth of the Messiah that's now here. Next, James 5. This is after... Jesus is gone now and James is talking to a a church right here. He's saying, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Uh, Oil was just, it was a cultural thing. Sometimes we do it today, sometimes we don't. Jesus didn't pray with people with oil. He just prayed for them. But, and the prayer of faith, uh, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I'm gonna read that again. And the prayer offered in what? Faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That is a cool promise. What is the one, number one reason that Christians don't pray for the sick? It's not theological. It's not that we necessarily don't think that it's possible. Maybe some of you it is. But the number one reason that people don't pray for sick people is because we're afraid that nothing's gonna happen. Let me be honest. 
Maybe, maybe you do have some theology stuff that you're working through and right now you're like, whoa, I've never heard it like this before and I do need to figure out what I believe, okay? Like, I'm, this is different for me, okay? And that's fine, listen, but for me anyway and for people that actually believe this, the reason we don't pray is because we're afraid nothing's gonna happen. Let's just be honest with ourselves. So because we're afraid nothing will happen, we never put ourselves in the position so we always have what we fear, nothing. Does that make sense? I'm gonna say that one more time. Because we are afraid nothing will happen. We never put ourselves in the position so we always have what we fear, nothing. Wayne Gretzky said this, the great theologian. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. You will miss 100%, you will never see somebody healed if you never pray for somebody to be healed. You'll never see it. And then you'll create a whole theology that God doesn't heal. Have you ever prayed for somebody? Well, no. Well, then how would you know? I'm gonna be totally honest. There's a lot of people that like to sit in their, behind their desks and the great theologians of the world that maybe would disagree on this and they would sit behind their desks with their nice ties and everything, with their big bookshelves of the theology books behind them and they'll preach a message and they'll say that God, it's not God's will to heal and that the gifts have ceased and all this stuff. And to be completely honest, uh, they've never prayed for anybody to be healed so they wouldn't know. Every single person that I know that has a powerful uh, gift from the Holy Spirit and that sees people healed believes this. So just being totally honest, and this is, I mean, I'm being very transparent right now. Who are you gonna believe? Like the people that see people healed all the time or the people that are, have great theology and sit in their, you know, I, I'm just done with that, okay? I'm not gonna do that. If you go out and see people healed, in the name of Jesus, now that's something I could follow. That's something I want. I don't, I don't need to just like talk about all this theology and stuff like that if you have no power, like you don't have any authority in Jesus, right? So go out and pray for somebody, be bold, man. Like that's, in my mind, that's where I'm at. It's like everyone that I know that can heal the sick and has this gift from God, they all believe this. So I think I'd rather believe that than what the other people say. That's just, that's just me, I don't know about you. Anyway, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mark 16 says this, these signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Why do we have to make that so complicated? Like it says it right there. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Just say yes, it's okay, you can say yes. Then you have this power and authority. Now we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this is why Jesus said, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then pray for people, right? Don't go anywhere until you've done that, all right? Um, and so that's very, very important. But here's the last thing. And then we're gonna, we're gonna pray for people. Oh my goodness, I have to fly, guys. This is crazy. I have so much here. We have to pray from faith, not from fear. If you're praying from fear, you will never receive the thing that you're asking for, ever. James says that you should pray without doubting. Don't doubt. God's power is big enough and good enough for you and for me. And we have to pray the promise, not the problem. Here's the deal. We pray harder for cancer. You ever done that before? Yeah, if somebody, I've seen people that pray for people. They pray and they're like, you know, just like John G. Lake was talking about. You pray for a twisted ankle. It's real easy to pray for that. And it's like, Lord Jesus, would you help this twisted ankle feel better? It's real easy. But then you hear somebody has cancer or you're in a hospital room and they look like real messed up, just like John G. Lake was saying. Then it becomes, Lord Jesus, will you heal this? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You really start to like, ah, like you're mustering something up. You know, like what even is that? 
Did Jesus have to like muster up something like when somebody real messed up came to him? I, knew, I don't see that anywhere in scripture. What is that? It, it really just honestly to me shows that we actually don't really have faith for that yet. That's okay. I'm growing and learning in that. We pray real hard for cancer. And we pray real hard for that because it's scary. Can I just be honest? It's hurt a lot of people. I know a lot of people that have had cancer. We pray for that and it's difficult. But when you pray harder against cancer, what are you doing? You're exalting cancer. Does that make sense? You're praying harder for cancer. That means that you're putting it in a higher position of authority. You're putting it in a place to say, well, you're really difficult to deal with. So now I gotta pray real hard about this. I don't see that in the life of Jesus. I don't see that booklet in his back pocket. So we gotta pray from faith, not from fear. And we don't look at the problem. We look at the promise. We look to Jesus because it's him that does it, amen? Uh, Another thing that I see all the time, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with this, but like, you ever been in a prayer chain before? You been in a prayer chain? Like, Like, oh, we got something going on with this person? And now we have a prayer chain going out. The more people praying, the better. We get a hundred people praying. If we get a thousand people praying, now God is really going to listen to us. Like that makes way more sense. No, one in faith is the majority. The prayer of faith is what heals the sick. Not the prayer chain and getting a thousand people praying because they're like, oh, this is really difficult, Lord. We need more people praying so that this person will get healed. Listen, I don't have a problem with saying, hey, listen, this is what's going on. We just like you to pray with us. But it doesn't, there's no like added authority or something like that when you have a thousand versus, you know, 10,000 people praying or something like that. Listen, Jesus, did he have anybody else praying with him? No, he had one, Peter and Paul. Like they didn't need anybody else to be in faith. Listen, I got enough faith for you to be healed. Like they didn't even need that person to have faith. It says when they dropped the paralytic through the roof, Jesus saw their faith. The people that dropped him down through the roof, his friends that are lowering him down. He says, wow, these people have some faith. So much so that they cut through the roof so that they can lower their friend down. Jesus sees their faith. Does a guy have any faith? We don't know. It doesn't say. He didn't need it. Jesus had it for him. And that's how he was made whole. You have victory in Jesus. Jesus already paid for it. So move the mountain yourself. Faith is how we receive and administer healing. That's the last point. I hope so. Faith is how we receive and administer healing. I'm gonna be honest, okay? So what we're gonna do at the end of this is we're gonna pray for anybody that wants healing uh, because of the fact that it's 1135. I'll We'll dismiss here in a little bit. And if you'd like to, you can leave. Um, I encourage you to stay because I want you to be a part of this. Um, But if you need healing in any way, go ahead and start thinking about it right now. If you need healing in any way, I want you to stick around. But if you have to go here in a little bit, I'll dismiss you in just a moment. And then we'll have some time. The worship team will come back up and all that good stuff. As a matter of fact, why don't you guys go ahead and come on up. Faith is how we receive and how we administer healing. Hebrews 11.1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There's a woman, she had an issue with blood. Like she, she had a problem for years. Uh, she had this flow of blood that she couldn't uh, get rid of and it had been plaguing her for a long time. And she comes up to Jesus and just grabs the hem of his garment, it says. She, she just comes up and there's people all around Jesus. And he said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, there are like hundreds or at least dozens of people we know all around you. They're all touching you. And he's like, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me. 
Like who touched me specifically? Like, you know who you are. Because he felt power go out from him to heal this woman. And what does he do? He turns to her and says, your faith has made you well. Why was that? Because she had enough faith to just get to Jesus. She knew that she needed to get to Jesus to be healed. The paralytic, they drop him through the roof when he saw their faith, their faith, enough that they would drop their friend down to see Jesus. They knew that all they had to do was get their friend in the presence of God and now he could be healed. Listen, I'm not ever gonna tell somebody that you weren't healed because you didn't have enough faith. Don't ever tell somebody that. You ever heard that before? I've heard it before. It's ridiculous. You weren't healed because you didn't have enough faith. You gotta grow in your faith. Listen, it's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Jesus had enough faith for everybody. He prayed for people that didn't have any faith in him at all and they were healed. And it even says Jesus sent out the disciples to go pray for people. He said, heal the sick there and then tell them the kingdom of God is upon you. So did they have any way to have faith in God or in Jesus in that moment? Did they have faith in Jesus when, no, they healed the sick and then they told him about Jesus, but they just prayed in the name of Jesus. It's incredible. John G. Lake says this. It's the last thing I wanna say and then we'll pray. Oh, the most vital thing in all the universe is the Holy Spirit. It's more real than electricity, more powerful than gravity. It's more subtle than the ether in the air. Contains more energy than any natural power. He's the vitality of the living God, the fire of his soul, the very substance of his being. Bless God, open your nature to God, receive Christ as your savior, receive him as your savior and healer now and God will bless you. When Jesus pays for your salvation, it's for your salvation, but it's also for your healing. Amen? Every time that the gospel is preached in the Bible, every single time, healing accompanies it. And yet we get up here and preach, I get up here and preach, and healing does not always accompany it. Can I just be honest with you guys? I'm learning and I'm growing. And I'm just asking you if you would have enough faith to come along the journey. You can leave and, and go to another church where they will not challenge you to grow in your faith. They won't challenge you to grow in this. They will not. And they'll erase the Holy Spirit real fast because it's weird and it doesn't make sense. I've been a part of those churches. To be honest, our church even teetered on that line for a while. Can I just be honest? Not doing that anymore. Amen? Because there's more. It's not just, you don't get saved so you can get to heaven, guys. You get saved so that heaven could get into you and then you can be full of the spirit of God, full of healing and, and you can walk in this stuff. Like you can go and pray for somebody and see them accept Christ. Like you can be bold in your workplace. You can be bold in your school. When you go back to school this fall, listen, I'm believing that God is gonna use students. Look at me right here, students, front row. Every single one of you will be used by God to help people in your school find him. You can pray for your friends and they will be healed. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, God, I want your power and authority. I'm gonna go out now and be a witness. That's what it was for. And I started to pray for people recently more than I ever have before. It's been incredible. God's given me words of knowledge for people. A few weeks ago, I told a story about 
the guy at Subway and I had a word of knowledge for him, uh, business. I knew nothing about this guy. And I said, business, you know, you're not gonna be making sandwiches much longer. There's a business inside of you that God wants to bring out. And he was like, bro, how'd you know that? And I was like, I don't know, Jesus. Like, and he said, I'm a senior at Texas State and I have this dream of being a luthier. I wanna be a, a guitar builder and I, I'm studying business at Texas State. This is my last, my last semester. I'm almost done. Well, I said, I know, God told me. So like, let's pray. <laughs> it was really cool. That's the kind of stuff that you can do. But it's, but it's not you. Like, that's the point. It's Jesus in you. Dan Moeller, I referenced him earlier. There was a young boy in a coma. Would everybody stand, actually? I'm gonna tell a few testimonies and we're gonna pray. We'll get out of here. There's a young boy and he goes, up, goes to the hospital. The family, you know, didn't really ask him to come because they had kind of already decided that he was, they were just gonna give him to the Lord. Like, oh, it's just not God's will to heal him. He's getting worse. We're just gonna give him to the Lord and you know, let the Lord's will be done kind of a thing. Stuff that we say, like Christian stuff that we say, it sounds very Christian, but it's not. And Dan walks in and he's just believing the word. And he's like, Let me, well, I'm gonna go pray for him. And they were like, well, pastor, we really don't, you know, we're just kind of at this place. We've just accepted it already. And, uh, and I understand that, okay? Can I just, I get that just in the natural, like, I understand that. And he's like, guys, I, I really wanna go pray for your son here. If you wouldn't mind, would you just let me pray for him? And they just finally like, oh, I mean, okay, pastor, you can do it. We're not gonna be a part, but go ahead. He goes in and he walks up to this boy and he says, look at me, son. He's in a coma for months. Immediately his eyes open and he turns up and looks right at Dan. Everyone's freaking out. Now, what would have happened if Dan hadn't have showed up? What would have happened if they would have just said, well, Lord, like whatever your will is, that boy is not gonna live. How long was that prayer? Three seconds? Look at me, son. Jesus, what did he say to the little girl? He said, get up, come on. Paralyzed man, get up. Ears, heal, be opened. Like, it's easy. We're not striving. We're not begging God for something that he's already done. You don't have to beg God for healing. He's already paid for it through his son. Another one, this one is really kind of, this is a hard one, guys. This is a really, really hard one for me. His wife at one point was in this, um, she started seizing in their bed and just having seizures. And he walks into the room and his teenage son walks in and, and Dan has no idea what's going on but she's seizing for a while. It was about an hour that she was. And the whole time he said, he was just holding her toe as she was flopping back and forth on the bed. And he's just praising God. Like, oh God, this is gonna be good. I can't wait. This is gonna be amazing. He's smiling, he's laughing. He's like, oh God, I can't wait for you to heal her. Oh Lord, you're good, you're holy. Holding her toe, she's flopping back and forth on the bed. Finally gets to the hospital. She's in a coma, severe brain damage, all this stuff. The doctor comes up to him and says, sir, I, you know, I, I can't let you in there. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I am going in there. That's my wife. And he said, sir, I, I know that you're a pastor and you want to believe this and everything, but I, I've just, I have to face reality. And he said, doctor, I'm sorry, you don't understand. I have faced reality and God is my reality. And I'm going in there to pray for my wife. 
And so he goes in there. She'd been in a coma. Uh, I think it was about a week. I can't remember the exact time frame. It was, it was a while. And they wouldn't let him back for the longest time. And finally he goes back and he just does it again. He just laughs, which is, whew, man, I don't know if I could do that. He just laughs. And he's like, Lord, this is gonna be great. He's like, honey, look at me. And same thing, just looks right at him. The doctor's just amazed, have no idea what's going on. Can't even comprehend it. There's a young man in this church that's here right now that woke up from a coma. Me and another person in this church went and prayed for him and he woke up just a few days later. The power of God is here. If you need healing in your life, in your body, I just wanna encourage you right now. Hey, we're gonna pray for you. But first, before I dismiss, I just wanna ask, is there anybody in this place today that maybe you have come in here and you're feeling the Holy Spirit, you're feeling God just all over you right now. And maybe you haven't been living your life for Jesus. And, and, and you wanna say yes to him today. You wanna give your life to him. Jesus loves you and he died on the cross for you and for me. Like I said, he took on that sin so that you don't have to deal with that anymore. You don't have to be, you're not a sinner saved by grace when you say yes to Jesus. Like you're a new creation. God makes you whole. And you can have a life of peace and of love and of joy, man, that you won't even understand. People will ask you, why are you so different? Like what happened to you? And you could just say, Jesus, it's amazing. Maybe you've been living in sin for a while and right now you wanna turn your life back over to Jesus or maybe for the first time you wanna turn your life to Jesus. If that's you, I wanna ask you to be bold. And would you just raise your hand at me? Just quickly, I just wanna see on the count of three, raise your hand at me if that's you. One, two, three. Take that step of faith. Don't worry about who's next to you. Is there anybody in this place that wants to give your life to Jesus? You say, hey, listen, I believe this stuff, man. The Holy Spirit's working on me. Is there anybody today? Come on. Let me see you. If there's anybody in this place, you wanna give your life to Jesus. Good. That means you're saved. Perfect. Let's go. So I'm gonna pray for all of you and then we're gonna believe for healing. If you wanna stay, you can. If you need to leave, I understand. The worship team's gonna play. We're gonna worship. We're gonna have some people come up for prayer. Father God, I thank you that it is your will to heal. It's your will to see people baptized in power and authority. That God, we don't have to try hard and beg you to do something that you already told us it's your will to do. That God, the healing power of Jesus is in this room right now and that you wanna heal. We don't have to try hard. We don't have to say some perfect prayer or anything like that. We just have to believe. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. And so God, I ask right now, if there's anyone in this place that has sickness over them, God, that has demonic oppression over them that's causing any kind of sickness, Lord, I cast that out in the name of Jesus right now. And I ask for your presence to move over each and every one of these people here today that they would recognize the authority that they have in God, that they're not a sinner anymore, that they have been saved, healed, delivered, and set free. Holy Spirit, would you wash over them with your love right now, God? Lead the way in love, Lord Jesus. Let us become love to the world, just as you sent your son, because you loved us, God. You sent your son, Jesus, to die, not to condemn us, but to show us how much you love us, God.
that you're real, Lord, like you're actually real. And we can really believe your word. And when it says that we can pray for the sick and they will recover, that we can believe that because it's a promise. Right now, Lord Jesus, I am praying that wombs are opened in the name of Jesus. That ADHD, Lord Jesus, that anxiety, that depression is broken in the name of Jesus. Liver disease is healed in the name of Jesus. Back pain is healed in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place right now, God. Blood disorders are healed in the name of Jesus. God, let faith rise in this place right now as we worship you and as we lift your name up. Thank you, Jesus, that you're doing it right now in this place. I just want to ask a few people to come forward. Bonnie, would you come? Students, if you want to pray, would you just come and stand right here along the front if you want to pray for other people? Rachel, come on. Kevin, you can come on up with Bonnie. Who else, Lord? Scott and Anita, will y'all come on up? That's good. Just find a spot anywhere where you can actually pray. If you're in this place and you have any kind of sickness in your body right now that you want to be rid of, I don't care what it is. I mean, it could be a headache, all right? If you have chronic headaches and you're tired of them, Let's pray for it, okay? Let's believe. If your ankle is messed up or if you have something that maybe you couldn't even understand or, yeah, okay, come on up, come on up. Yeah. If you have any kind of sickness, will you come on up right now? I just wanna see you. Come on up. Any kind of sickness. Find somebody to pray with. I don't care if it's a student that's 30 years younger than you. Listen, they're full of the Holy Spirit and they're ready to pray. There's no junior Holy Spirit, okay? There's none of that. If you have a sickness and you need prayer, come on up. And we're gonna pray in faith right now. Just ask them what it is, ask them what they're dealing with, and then we'll pray for it. If not, you can stay here and you can worship along with us for the next 10, 15 minutes. Or I wanna bless you in the name of Jesus to go ahead and, and leave if you'd like to. So God, I thank you for every person here. Bless them as they go. Bless them as they stay, whatever it is, Lord. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a new and powerful way. Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you need to leave, you're dismissed, but please stick around and worship with us if you can. Come on.